Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Jürgen Lawson and I'm the editor of the BJGP. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Rohini Mathur, who is an Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And we've also got Dr. Sally Hull, who is a GP and a member of the Clinical Effectiveness Group at QMUL. And the paper is Characterization of Type 2 Diabetes Subgroups and Their Association with Ethnicity and Clinical Outcomes, a UK real-world data study using the East London database. I started by asking Sally to tell us a little bit more about why they did this study. Of course, diabetes is an incredibly common condition in primary care. And actually, it's a very heterogeneous condition. And other studies, which I think Rohini can talk about a little bit more, have identified subgroups of type 2 diabetes. Um, But most of those studies used um, data that's not really available in primary care. So what we wanted to do was to do the same using the data available in primary care. And the purpose of doing that was to really to address precision medicine. We wanted to see if we could develop improved personalized care for type 2 diabetes um, using a classification which could then guide intensity of treatment and intensity of reviews, so be more economic with the time available in primary care. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about the subgroups themselves, Rohini. This work builds on previous work largely from Scandinavia, which used clinical trial cohorts to identify different subgroups of type 2 diabetes, which are commonly known as phenotypes. And this work identified five key subgroups of diabetes, four of which are related to type 2 diabetes. And these had different clinical characteristics with respect to obesity, age of onset, insulin resistance, and hyperglycemia. However, these studies use very sophisticated clinical measures, which, as Sally mentioned, are not routinely captured in primary care. And they also used populations which were predominantly of white ethnicity. And so we had an aim of looking at whether we could replicate these subgroups or generate new subgroups in a population using simple, widely available clinical measures and an ethnically diverse population. Yeah, so this is it's brilliant, isn't it? Because this study is about primary care. It's about things we could actually do in primary care rather than um, measurements we can't possibly access. And the important thing is it could change how we manage these people as well. That's really the key thing too. So we should find out a little bit more about just a, a quick bit of background on how you did this study. So we used um, primary care electronic health record data derived from the East London Primary Care Database which covers all of the general practices across Tower Hamlets, Hackney and Newham. We collected data on all adults with type 2 diabetes on their um, clinical characteristics, such as HbA1c, body mass index, cholesterol, their comorbidities and their age at diagnosis. And also then we looked at outcomes, which was time to initiation of treatment, long-term glycemic control, and vascular outcomes. So the very first thing that we did was that we used um, age, sex, body mass index, and uh, glycemia to identify the clusters. And we used a method called latent class analysis, which essentially uses these characteristics to identify people who are similar to each other and have sort of prevailing features which which delineate the clusters. And then we used um, 
the cluster, we described the clusters and then looked at whether cluster membership was associated with differences in long-term glycemic control and risk of outcomes and treatment initiation. If I could just add to that, that it was important to use a population in East London, which is exceedingly multi-ethnic and approximately 50% now are non-white. And of course, everyone knows that diabetes is more common in South Asian and in black populations. So to be able to do it in this very mixed population was really important um, because the latent class analysis that, that Rohini has described, we did it for the whole cohort, but also separately for each of those ethnic groups to, to look at, see if we could identify differences between them. Yeah, incredibly important in this study and incredibly important strength of this study, I think, as well. It's too often the case that ethnicity isn't addressed in research and that certainly can't be levelled here. And I think you, I think somewhere in the study, I was just looking at the paper, something like 98% of people had their ethnicity coded. So you had really good coverage. Yes, indeed. And, uh, you know, that's one of the advantages of working in the East London, where for many years we've been promoting and advocating for GPs to record ethnicity uh, and when we first started, the um, the PCT, as it was then, actually supported us by funding GPs more if they actually coded ethnicity well. Yeah, and here we are seeing some seeing some benefits. Hopefully, now let's get into the results, shall we? Tell us a little bit about the subgroups that you've been able to pull out from the study. So, using the latent class analysis method, we identified three main subgroups of diabetes, and we termed these mild age-related diabetes, mild obesity-related diabetes, and severe hyperglycemic diabetes. And the age-related and obesity-related clusters, um, we found replicated the clusters that had been originally identified from the Danish studies. We were able to find synergy there. And we found important ethnic differences in um, the distribution of the clusters and cluster membership. Yes, I mean, I think what the first and most important thing to say is that the mild age related diabetes group actually made up about 80% of the whole cohort. So it's by far the most common. Um, What's perhaps interesting is that if you're South Asian, your age related diabetes starts at about the age of 50, whereas if you're white, it's about 70. But the characteristics are the same. The mild obesity-related diabetes made up about 10% of the overall cohort um, and was actually commonest in white groups. So the ones who um, are really, we're really worried about, the severe hyperglycemic diabetics, only make up less than 10% of the whole cohort. And I think that's, that's a really important message Um, and maybe links to what we want to say later about um, focusing attention on uh, the people who really need attention. Yeah. And you've been able to do some um, analysis within those subgroups as well to work out who, in terms of complications and glycemic control and other measures. Tell us a little bit about those. Yes, we looked at glycemic control over five years uh, from the point of diagnosis onwards. And we found that over the first five years of being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, glycemic control for people with age-related 
and obesity-related diabetes remained um, well controlled, so remained you know, under the threshold for being um, hyperglycemic. But in the severe hyperglycemic diabetes group, as you might expect, they had um, very poorly controlled um, HbA1c at diagnosis. And over the five-year trajectory, they never achieved target levels of control. Interestingly, we found that there weren't any differences by ethnicity in trajectories of diabetes control, which is a really positive finding as it speaks, you know, probably to equity of service provision in the study area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what other areas you looked at things like as well, time to initiation of treatment as well as um, microvascular and mi macrovascular complications? Yeah, so we found um, that there were important differences in time to micro and macrovascular complications. We found um, in particular people with severe hyperglycemic diabetes had a much higher risk of microvascular complications than people with age-related diabetes, whereas the risks for macrovascular complications were more comparable between the three clusters. But we found that ethnicity had a really important amplifying effect on these differences so that the risks for microvascular conditions were increased across all the severe hyperglycemic groups, but were increased even further for South Asian and Black groups. Um, in comparison to the white. Yeah. So, so what does this all that add up to? Sally, perhaps you could address this. What, what, what should GPs be doing differently now? Or at least certainly what research should this lead on to in the future? Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's, a, there's a whole sort of raft of things, but really perhaps the most important message is, hey, you know, don't think of diabetes as one condition. Um, try and uh, use this kind of information as a heuristic, as a, as a way of stratifying in your mind um, which group this person in front of you falls into. Um, because for lots of people, they actually probably need less intensive care than we're giving them at the moment. And there's only a small group, there's 10% or so, who really probably need more intensive care. And I think that's incredibly useful because at the moment we have a uniform policy that everybody has to have that eye check, everybody has to have this, that and the other. And actually, we now know that as there's 10% of people must have their eye checks and perhaps, perhaps they should have them more than once a year. The others, well, perhaps two or three year intervals is perfectly adequate. I mean, we, we will need a little bit more research to tell us something about that. But quite clearly, um, if we're wasting our time following up the people who are low risk, that's a little bit demoralizing, both for the primary care team and unnecessary for patients. So I think this really does feed into being more efficient in how we use the resource within primary care and also help patients understand the reality of their condition. Yeah, I think it's incredibly useful in that regard. And I certainly, having read this paper, hadn't really conceptualised type 2 diabetes as a condition that would could be so it's stratified in this way. And, and it demonstrates very clearly, and you mentioned in the paper, you used the phrase that um, about this being a one-size-fits-all care pathway doesn't look like it's going to be appropriate. Now, I don't, we're not suggesting GPs rush out and stop, you know, the 80%, they stop doing anything, as you've already alluded to there. But it does highlight that we could be doing this in a much smarter way. Yeah. 
Um, what about further research, Rahini? Perhaps we'll just finish with you. What, we've obviously got to um, work out some of, if we do some of these stratified approaches, that's going to be um, an important area. Any other key areas that final, as final word we should be looking at? Yes. So, you know, this work has identified really, you know, how valuable precision medicine approaches can be towards making the best use of primary care resources. Um, you know, this is the first piece of work in this area that has used multi-ethnic populations. And I think there's a lot of scope, firstly, for expanding this approach to other conditions, which may benefit from similar approaches, but also looking more globally towards ethnically diverse populations, particularly in low middle income countries where um, healthcare infrastructure resources may be more limited, where approaches using simple clinical measures could be used equally effectively. Um, and I think this points to the fact that, you know, there is heterogene heterogeneity in diabetes, um, but also heterogeneity across ethnicity and the role of migration and environment and how these all come together to influence our long term um, healthcare trajectories. Rahini, Sally, um, great study. I've been beautifully summarised and described by yourselves. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thanks again.